Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. How you guys doing? Good to see you. So glad you're here. Tell the person next to you, welcome. All right, all right. So glad you're here. Hey, right out of the gate, let's give God praise for witnessing change life through these baptisms. Give God praise. It is always exciting seeing people baptized in the body of Christ. That is absolutely incredible. So before I jump in and go full force into this, I want to make sure that you have downloaded the app. If you have a smart device go and you have not done that yet, go to the app store and type in Freedom Church Gallatin. The very first one comes up will be our app. Download that because next Sunday that's where your outline will be. Your outline is there today if you want to practice with it today and pull up the outline on the app on your phone. Now, next Sunday, if you do not have a smart device and say, I don't do that, that's fine. You can pick up a hard copy of the message notes out at the info desk. Also, we're on the app. There's a lot of cool stuff on there, but we're also going to have upcoming events and things like that on there as well. But if you, once again, you don't have that, there'll be a copy of that out there as well on upcoming events, and we'll keep you informed to what is going on. And to say that, with that, I hope and pray that if you have not been here each week, and maybe you're here and you're brand new today. Let's give some love again to the VIPs. This is what we call the first-time guests. If you're here and you're brand new, and we've been in this series called No More Insanity, we know the age-old definition, doing the same things over and over and over again, expecting different results. If you were not here for part of that, on the app, you can look at the past three weeks and be able to check that out. Maybe you're here and you call this home and you missed a week. Uh, Check that out and come up. But what I want to talk about, the very first week I talked about how that God has the power and it's through the Savior. The second week I talked about how that you can have power to be able to grow spiritually in the Lord, that you do that by his design. Last week I talked about the power to be able to grow relationally. And I said this, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Very, very important to understand that. But this week as we move forward, I want to talk about the power to be able to overcome anxiety. Now, uh, I want to have permission right out of the gate. Is it okay that I be real with you today in my own personal life about how things is, is hit me with anxiety? Would you, if, is that okay, church? Because I want to be real with you uh, because I want God to be able to work through all of our lives because the only difference in me and you is I have a different calling. That's all it is, you know. So I want to share that with you today. But also, I want to ask this question, and I want you to help me. How many of you here have ever had anxious feelings in your life? Would you raise your hand and say, I've had those before? I think that's the lion's share of all of us because life hits us, and it's, it's pretty amazing. I looked at a study that was interesting this week about when you make goals for the new year or you have what they call the New Year's resolutions, which is kind of a fading thing, but people still do it. And what they found out was in this study is by Sunday, January 19th, which was last Sunday, is when you drop and quit doing those goals and resolutions. You say, well, why is that? 
because life hits you square between the eyes. You make a goal to be able to do better with your health, and next thing you know, you're eating a donut, right? <laughs> you have a goal to be able to exercise, and something happens that morning with your kids, and you don't get to go to the gym. Or you have a goal to be able to do better at work, and I'm going to put in more time, and it's all you can do to get there and try to get out of there because it's driving you crazy. Those are the kind of things that happens when it comes to goals and resolutions, and those anxieties begin to hit you, and you get those anxious feelings, and you kind of give up on those things. But it's not only goals for the new year. It's not only New Year's resolutions, but there's all kinds of external factors that hits us and causes anxiety. What about the stress at work? You know, somebody quits. They say, okay, you're going to do their job and yours. And you're thinking, can I have two pay? No, you're not going to get two checks for that. Or it might be something that takes place with your school. You're trying to make the grades in school. You're going to school at night. You're trying to do that. It's double work, double duty, trying to get the work in and all those kind of things. Or maybe it's your personal relationship. And right now, it's really just holding on by threads. And it's causing anxiety with your significant other and with you. Or maybe it's finances. Sometimes finances hits us. And it seems like when those bills start coming in from Christmas, how are you going to pay those things? It begins to stress you out. You begin to have arguments if you're married with your spouse about those kind of things. Or, or maybe for some people, it's a lot worse than the things I mentioned. Maybe it's some kind of emotional trauma because you just lost a loved one that was dear to you. And that anxiety and those anxious feelings hit you. And, and here's what I know about that. Things about these kind of things in life happen. And maybe last year was the worst year you've ever had. And you're thinking, I want 2020 to be better. And you're thinking about your future in 2020. And it's just not going as well as you thought that it was going to go. And, and you end up having these feelings of anxiety hit you right between your eyes. And you're thinking, I cannot make these decisions. I'm trying to make decisions for my kids and help them to have a great future and to be safe in a society that's gone crazier. My schedule's running wide open, and it seems like I can't have enough time with my family or with my kids. It's just too much. I believe in a crowd of people this size or if somebody's watching online. As you raised your hand earlier, those things, anxious feelings hit us. But here's the sad thing. When those anxious feelings hit you, and they begin to tumble and move forward, and they build up and they build up, it can move over into depression. Depression is something that's hard on people, especially in the wintertime. Did you know that over 300 million people in the world deal with depression and 17 plus million deal with it in the United States of America right now? And some of you are thinking, well, maybe that's what's wrong with me. Maybe I've went from feeling so anxious I'm having these depressed feelings. What does that look like? What kind of symptoms is this that means that I am being depressed? It's when you have those persistent sad feelings and you just seem like you're in a bad mood a lot or maybe there's anger that's hitting you and restlessness and being irritable or maybe it's sleeplessness or maybe you're just not getting enough sleep or maybe it's a situation where that you've lost your appetite and you're losing weight and some of you are thinking sign me up for depression no that's not a good thing okay or it's the opposite end of that maybe you've got an appetite that's out of control and you're gaining all kinds of weight or maybe this really is a telltale sign it's whenever those things in life that you used to enjoy doing those pleasures you have zero desire for any longer. It doesn't happen. The things you were once interested in, you're no longer interested in. You have difficulty 
thinking, you have difficulty concentrating, you cannot make decisions like you need to make. And, and what happens when you're going through those anxious feelings, you're beginning to get depressed, that's when fatigue sets in on your body. That's when the energy that you once had, you don't have any longer. You have feelings to where that you feel guilty, you feel hopeless, or you feel worthless. And God forbid, it moves into those thoughts of suicide and death. So today, I want to tell you that from my own experience and for all of us that lifted our hands, and even if you didn't, I'm believing that God Almighty is going to help us to calm our anxiety, help us to escape and break free from the depression bondage as we cast our cares on Him. Are you with me, church? Are you with me? Yes, yes, okay. So today, what we're going to do, we're going to peer into the Apostle Paul when he was writing to the church at Philippi. We've looked at some of his writings already this year. But to help you understand who this guy is and what he was going through at the moment, he, in the book of Philippians, he wanted to go to Rome to order the preach the gospel to Rome. But he ended up being in prison in Rome. Not only that, 24-7, 365 in prison, locked and chained and chained, they say, to a Roman guard. And here, just think about, I don't know anybody here in this auditorium that had it bad as him. Here he is, he's wondering, how long am I going to be in jail? He's wondering, am I going to live or am I going to die? And yet, through the power of the Holy Spirit... The words he writes is absolutely unimaginable for you and for me for this day. So I'd like to ask you to do, a, do me a favor, and, and I want you to stand to your feet, and we're going to read God's Word together. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to read this particular selection of Scripture from the Passion Translation, and I want you to read it, and I want you to imagine that this is you and that you just try to put yourself in the moment, put yourself in the Scripture, and see how it speaks to you and where you're at in life. If you can audibly read out loud with me, let's do it together, beginning in Philippians 4, beginning with verse 4. It says, Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let joy overflow, for you are united with the anointed one. Let gentleness be seen in every relationship, for our Lord is ever near. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell Him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father. Thank you for the reading of your word. God, speak to our souls and bring deliverance to any of us that are captives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. amen. You can be seated. Now, I'm going to read a verse from the New King James because I like how it reads. And it is just one verse out of what we just read in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing. Say that with me. Be anxious for nothing. Now look at the person closest to you and tell them, be anxious for nothing. Then you look back like, you be anxious for nothing. No, I mean, you know, don't get, don't get righteous with each other, okay? But he, Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. When it says be anxious for nothing, is that possible? Think about that. Is that even possible in an age of anxiety? Did you know that our, our newest um, 
generation that we talk about is Generation Z. That's those that are born 1995 to 2015. Looking at them as being the most promising generation, but yet it's very challenging for them because of what they're facing in this day and time. Unlike for us that it's older, what we face during that time. They're trying to do everything they can do to be able to get through high school, to be able to, to get a good SAT or whatever it is, to be able to try to get into the right college and get the student loans. And then they hope when they get out of college that, that they can get a good job to be able to pay off a student loan. They're thinking, I hope I can get a good spouse. I hope I can marry somebody that I can do life with. I hope I don't go through divorce like my parents went through. Or I hope that I can have a great life and, and have the American dream. And they think on those measures. And all these things hit them, anxiety after anxiety. And they have these anxious feelings going on. Just like us as adults, we're thinking, am I going to be able to keep my job? They're, they're laying everybody off around me. Am I going to be able to pay my bills? It seems like I've got more month than I do money. I've got more bills than I do money. Am I going to be able to protect my kids? Because I think you'll agree with me, that is a world gone wild out there. Would you say amen? amen? And so you think about your kids. Am I going to be able to save my marriage? Are we going to be able to keep together? You've been thinking those anxious feelings. Is these things possible? Today we're going to look at an Old Testament prophet. His name's Elijah. And when you look at the life of Elijah, you look at him as a powerhouse of Almighty God. You look at him and you read there in the scriptures and you find out how that he called King Ahab out for his sin. And when he called him out for his sin, he prayed for a drought and it didn't rain for three years. During this time, Ahab, evil King Ahab, is taking his armies and trying to find Elijah and wanting to kill Elijah all the time. God is hiding him out, and God is feeding him with the ravens and giving him bread and meat. And through this time, he's raising the dead. And even one particular time, he, Elijah is able to be able to call down fire from heaven and uh, consumes 850 prophets, false prophets. And next thing you know, King Ahab goes home and tells his wife. Now, I asked the last service, and I was kind of surprised. His wife's name was Jezebel. How many of you know anybody that's named their daughter Jezebel? Would you raise your hand? Okay, we know somebody. That's too, we should have brought them up and prayed over that person because I hope and pray they don't get this Jezebel spirit. So when this happens here, Ahab tells his wife Jezebel, and she basically says, before the day ends, I'm taking him out. We're going to kill him. We're going to end his life. And then Elijah finds out, and Elijah freaks out. Now, let me ask you this. You think about Elijah here being able to call fire down from heaven and kill all the prophets, the false prophets, 850. Then one woman threatens his life. Let me ask this question. How many of you here are men, and you have at least one woman you're scared of? If you're married, you better raise your hand because you sleep with her right? But here it is. I mean, here's the amazing power that God ensued through the life of Elijah. And Elijah was a guy that experienced this nonstop protection, nonstop provision from God. The power come from God, the presence of Almighty God. And one grumpy woman makes him fall completely apart. That's what we're looking at here. So let's take a look at how Elijah messed up when Elijah said he had too much. It says in 1 Kings 19, beginning with verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. 
He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Notice how irrational this is. His biggest fear is that she's going to kill him, and now Elijah, powerhouse of God, wants to die. Then he says what many of us have said in this room or you're watching online. He said, I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. How many of you here under the sound of my voice have been at a time in your life that you were at your breaking point and you, like Elijah, said, I've had enough, Lord. Would you raise your hand? That's a lot of us because we're human beings living in a human flesh, depending on a powerhouse of God like Elijah did. But sometimes in that measure, we lose our focus of our great God like Elijah did. See, things happen and the bills come due and you're already two months late. You don't know what's going to happen. You're not going to be able to get, drive to, to work because you're behind on your payments. It might take your car. Maybe your relationship. You just, you just know at any point in time you're fearing that you're going to be divorced. Or maybe <laughs> you're, a single per, you're a single mom here. And you're doing everything you can do to take care of your kids. And your kids are taking you for granted. Sometimes rather than just whip them, you want to choke them in the name of Jesus. Straighten up. You know. You have situations where they won't behave. Or you wonder what you're going to do with the next move with your health because it's not so good. See, for me a couple of weeks ago, and I shared this with you, I think last week or the week before, but I had all these anxious feelings coming up and, and I was hard to deal with. See, my issue is if I'm not in control, that jacks me up. How many of you are like that? Yeah, if you're not in control, it jacks you up. Thank you for raising your hand so I won't be the only one in Soul Island on this stage here, you know. But I get all jacked up. And it was, it was a Thursday, I remember it. And my youngest daughter, Chloe, was with Shanda, and we were, us three were together. And finally, they just looked at me and said, Dad, you need to get over it. God's in control, not you. And you know what I told them? Yes, ma'am. They're right. They were right. God's in control. Sometimes we become control freaks. We do. So when we take a look and we peer into Elijah's life, some mistakes that he made, no doubt there's many of us here that's made these mistakes as well. And first and foremost, kind of like Elijah, we run ourselves ragged. That's what he did. He ran for his life. And did you know the distance that he began to run was 100 miles that he ran? Do you realize if he'd have kept running, he would have ran into water? <laughs> if he'd have kept running. How many of you here have ever run a half marathon or a marathon? Raise your hand. He ran four marathons. You know why? Because he was running. He was. Okay? He ran four marathons. Grab that. Four marathons. <laughs> Sometimes we run ourselves ragged. I kind of did that back in December. See, when other people are on this stage... They're not just here because they have a good word from the Lord. Sometimes it gives me a break so I can go and hear from the Lord. Does that make sense? So I'm not the only one that has good things to say here when other people are on the stage and to do that. But in December, I, I got a little bit more than what I needed to. I did about four months preaching in one month. Preached 28 times between our church, going to South Florida, Pastor Troy to be here next week at his church, and the Sumner County Jail. So I just kind of got depleted. So what happened in December affected me in January. That's why I was a little bit hard to deal with. And my wife and my daughter had to call me out on it. 
See, if you're not careful, you'll run yourself ragged thinking that you're in control, that you're the one that can make it happen, and you are not the one that can make it happen. Only God can make it happen, and you'll exhaust every fume you've got in your body, but you've got to depend on the strength of the Lord. And that's what I did. I ran myself ragged, and some of you, no doubt in a crowd of people this size, you're there right now. You're in a season of anxiety, and you don't even realize it because you have been running wide open for too long like Elijah did. But something else you'll end up doing when you've had enough. If you're not careful, you'll isolate yourself. You say, what do you mean? Well, if you look here and you're reading the story, what did Elijah do? It says that he not only ran, but he left his servant. He left his trusted friend. And basically saying, I don't need you any longer. And when we do that, we begin to think a lot. We begin to process. We begin to, to, to be able to internalize problems. And, and those problems begin to grow. And they begin to grow. And they begin to grow. And they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And they seem audacious. And we begin to try to carry these things that we're dealing with alone. And, and we, t we lie to ourselves and say, nobody else is going to understand what I'm going through. I'm not going to tell anybody what I'm, what's happening in my life. I'm not going to tell anybody that I'm hurting. I'm just going to push through, do the best I can do on my own, and I'm not going to let anybody in to help me in my life. Well, that's not God's solution for your life. That's why we have connection groups here at Freedom Church. Last week we began sign-ups, and you've got this in your worship guide here. They are on in your app. There's 17 different opportunities. There's a whole lot more groups that's not even in here that are full and brimming, brimming with people. And you say, well, what's so important about groups? Because I'll tell you, it's my group, my men's group that I meet with on Tuesday nights that got me through in some of my most anxious moments in my life. And they prayed over me. And they prayed with me. They were there for me. I could talk to them about what I was going through. And some of these men are in this room right now. And that's what got me going. That's why I always tell you that groups is a heartbeat of our church because we have the opportunity to be together with one another and pray one for another and encourage one another because life is so much better because without the body of Christ, you will be incomplete. It's the heartbeat of who we are. So I want to challenge you, sign up for a group. Go on the app and sign up for a group. If you don't have the app, take, pick one out, sign it on here, drop it in the offering. We'll call you. And listen, don't stop at one group. If that's not the group, go to another group. But life is so much better together. You don't need to isolate yourself. Say this with me. I really, really need a group. You said it. I didn't. Right? You say, I, I mean, I go there. They might call on me to pray. They're not going to call on you to pray. Not unless you want to pray or they ask you by yourself, would you like to pray next week? Well, I don't know Scripture. I don't know Scripture either. We just went through the book of Revelation, and they were smoking me. Some of these guys knew a lot more than I did about the book of Revelation. Well, I'm not sure if I fit in. We're all misfits. Don't miss where you fit. Find where you fit in. You say, well, what, what's it about? It's, it's, it's that koinonia. It's that fellowship. Reminds me of a little boy. His best friend at school hadn't been there all week long and on Friday he came back to school and he went home and he told his mama about what had happened and she said what happened hon she said his daddy died he said well when he told you about it what did he do he laid his head on his desk and he cried so she asked her son said what'd you do he said, I didn't know what else to do but lay my head on my desk and cry too. See, sometimes 
It's just your presence of being with someone. It's not the words you say, but they know you're there. And they can lean on you. And you can lean on them. And it makes all the difference in the world. So I challenge you. Don't, if, you do, if you come here very long and you don't sign up for a group, you'll say, I don't know anybody, and you'll end up going down the road to another church and say, I didn't know anybody. It's up to you. We're going to give you avenues to get involved, but it's up to you to make the step to get involved. It's very, very important. So don't do like Elijah and shut people out, especially the most trusted people he had as his servant and trusted people you can have here. We're not perfect. We're just striving to serve and love and live for the perfect one, Jesus. But I'll tell you something else that we end up doing when we've had enough. This is huge. We focus on the negative. Uh, that, that happens. I've done that. You've done that, no doubt. And when you look at what he said, he said, I've had enough. I'm no better than my fathers or my ancestors. And isn't that the very thing that we end up doing? Life isn't going to get any better. It's never going to change. I don't understand. I'm never going to get ahead financially. I hate my job. Why do I always struggle? God's not answering my prayers. It's just one problem after the other. I'm always broke. And I'm always, it just seems like I'm always going to be broke. I'm always going to be unhappy. I'm always going to be unmarried. I'm always going to be hurting. I'm always going to be hopeless. Listen, quit speaking death from the life of the tongue. Stop focusing on your problems and focus on God's power. Stop focusing on your situation and focus on the Savior. Stop focusing on what you can't do and start focusing on what our great God can do. And your life will change for the better, I promise you. We focus on the negative, kind of like I did i got to preach all these sermons. No, i got to preach all those sermons, and I got through it. And you know what happened? Between this church in Florida and Summer County Jail, 90 people gave their lives to Christ or recommitted their lives to Christ. <laughs> telling you. So you not only be a person aware that you end up running yourself in the ground when you've had enough, and, and you end up getting in a situation where you isolate yourself, then you focus on what's negative, but this is the worst thing you'll ever do. And that is to forget God. Look at Elijah. God, in this moment, know that every moment of Elijah's life, God was with him. God was present. God was faithful. God's power was, was visible to him. And God's provision was absolutely real to take care of every detail of his life. And God being so faithful, Elijah did what so many of us will do in our lives. We are, we'll go facing our problems while forgetting our God. The worst thing that you and I can ever do is to face our problems and forget our God. Here's what I will tell you about Elijah that you may not know. Did you know Elijah's name means that my God is Yahweh? My God is Yahweh. When you look at and you break down his name, it simply means that God is with him. When you look at Jehovah, Jehovah, and you look at Yahweh representing the same things, it means that he is with me. He is my presence. He is my power. Did you know in today's time and that day and time that people wouldn't even say Jehovah? They would just breathe into the J. That simple, simple syllable means the breath of God. So God is my breath. God is my sustainer. God is my power. He's with me, his name alone. And Elijah should have known that God is near me, but he falls 
apart in the presence of one life threat from one woman. When Elijah forgot God, what did God do? Did God get upset with him? Did he say, oh, you're just faithless. I can't believe you, Elijah. No, no, no. Did he say, I can't believe you're doing this to me and I've been with you and began to rebuke him? No, no, no. This is what God did when Elijah needed him the most for God to prove who he was and whose Elijah was. It tells us this here in 1 Kings 19, beginning with verse 11. Listen to this. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. So the Lord, he's not in the wind. The Lord is not in the earthquake. The Lord is not in the fire. You know what? God wasn't in the remarkable here. God was in the ordinary. God was in a whisper. Now, when we are overwhelmed by stress, when we are soundly attacked by anxiety and overcome by it, why does God's voice in those moments that hits us seem so quiet? Why is it so quiet? Why doesn't he speak to us in a spectacular way? Why doesn't God speak to us and come to us in our greatest need in powerful ways? If he wants me to know him, if he wants me to experience him, if he wants me to trust him, why doesn't he do that? Why does he whisper? Why does he whisper? you're hurting the most is when you want to hear God the loudest, right? But why is it that he whispers? I'll tell you exactly why he whispers. This is why he whispers. Because I'm close. I'm with you. I'm going to be there when everybody else is gone. enemy he always comes up at us with a terrible shout and he shouts lies at us lie after lie after lie after lie the enemy comes in and says you're no good you're not gonna make it you're not fit for anything you were a mistake when you were born your marriage is not gonna exist your job's gonna be gone your business is gonna close your health is gonna falter and you're not gonna be any good but then when God comes he comes in a gentle soft whisper because he's a close is to us as we could ever have with a great God who loves us beyond ourselves. He is the God who whispers because he is so close. If you're here and you're brokenhearted, 
He's close to the brokenhearted. If you're here and you're overwhelmed, he'll be close to you in those moments. If you're here and you feel you're crushed in your spirit, he's going to be close to you. You feel abandoned, he's going to be close to you. Listen, this is what God does. He'll never leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's always close. I don't know if you are familiar with the end of Elijah's story, but it's kind of like Paul Harvey once said, and the rest of the story, how many of you know Paul Harvey? Those of you that don't, you're our millennials and younger, probably. In 2 Kings chapter 2, and if you'd like to read it this week, I challenge you to, but Elijah is with his disciple Elisha his protege, and he's with him. And, and next thing you know, in this story, he's walking along and chariots of fire and horses of fire, they sweep down and they take Elijah from earth and take him to heaven in a whirlwind. And here's what you want to need to notice about it. The very thing that Elijah feared the most, that he was going to die, didn't happen. Is that God's love or what? Only one of two men, Enoch and Elijah, that didn't face a physical death. He was anxious for nothing because what he feared never happened. Many of you that prayed prayers for my grandson, I thank you for that. But like I told you, I, I always fear not being in control. And when we found out about Arden's situation that was very bleak, we were in Florida and they were in Missouri. And when we flew back home and they had finally gotten him to Mercy Children's Hospital in Springfield, Missouri, my wife and we got home on a Thursday, flew in and my wife and my mother-in-law, they jumped in the car, they drove over there. And it was the first time in since I went to Israel in 1999 for the first time that my wife and I had been apart. So I was a bachelor for seven days, of course, talking to her each day and all that kind of stuff and seeing my other two daughters and different things. But each night, you know, I would sit there and I remember one particular night about the middle of the run of this deal that my wife sends me a picture of Harden with all these hoses and lines and in his mouth and on his body and in his head. And for a moment, I was kind of like Elijah. I lost it. I fell apart. I fell apart because I wasn't in control. And God had to teach me something in that moment. And it comes from this verse right here, Philippians 4 and 6. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell Him every detail of your life. And that's what I want to challenge you to do. Every time you worry, you replace the worry with prayer. And you know that God has got you. And you know what I love about God? Even though that little feller Arden lost his life and they had to revive him a couple of times and had to bring him back to life, this is what God did. This is a smile on that boy's face now. That's what God does. Yeah. 
See, here's what I'll tell you. A lot of the things that causes us anxiety and worry and doubts and fears never happens. Never happens. And then there may be other times that is the worst case scenario and it does happen. But my God is faithful and he's going to carry you through. And I promise you he's going to do that. There's no storm that my God won't bring you through. There's no obstacle that my God won't help you overcome. There is no enemy that my God will not help you defeat. And there is no heartache that my God will not heal in your life. Be anxious for nothing, rejoicing in the Lord always. See, the power of God comes from the presence of God. So, you praise God in His presence, and He'll give you power in your circumstances. Would you stand with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we praise you and we honor you this day. And we cannot thank you enough for blessing us and loving us and being there for us. God, through the power of your Holy Spirit in our midst right now, God, for those that are facing significant trials, for those that are hurting, God, and severe anxiety and worries and doubt and depression and, and, and insecurities, God, I pray that your peace would be poured on every soul in this place or those that might be watching via the Internet. I pray, God, that your peace from heaven, God, would come down upon everyone here, God, beyond what our human ability could ever understand. we continue to pray you may be here and you have this huge burden in your life a weight and you're trying to carry it and it's crushing you or you feel just totally overwhelmed and you see no way out the anxieties are just tearing you up and you're worrying yourself sick if there's something weighing you down here today listen to me closely and you want to be freed from it and you want to leave it with God today would you be bold enough to just to raise your hand up real high right now? Just raise your hand up real high and say, I want to leave it with God today. All right, now you listen to me very close. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to pray with you, but I'm going to challenge you in just a moment when they play this beautiful song to come to the altar. A makeshift altar up here and come up here. Our pastors and our prayer team are going to be up here and want to pray with you. But listen, don't let the enemy cheat you out of this moment. If you feel the tug and the power of the Holy Spirit of God, come up and pray and leave it here and go home light as a feather in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray for every hand that has went up, God. I pray, Lord, that they will step out, say excuse me, and not let the enemy cheat them out of this special moment, God. It is in moments like these, God, that freedom comes, and we pray for this in the name of Jesus. Hello, Pastor Jim here. I just wanted to come on and thank you for listening and help answer the question, what next? If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love to take that journey with you. Simply text the word SAVED to 615-900-2176. And make sure to follow us through the week on our social media accounts at Freedom Church TN. We love you. Have a blessed week.